Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama on what is truly a beautiful Monday morning for me because I'm at a beach house right now in Stone Harbor, New Jersey. Ben, is your situation so I got to think that your situation is similar, right? You got your you got your toes in the water somewhere. You're sitting I got my inside. I got my toes in my brand new office in my new apartment that I moved into this weekend, brother. And oh, so I might not be on a beach, but I'm a happy camper. I have tripled my square footage by moving out of the city of Chicago, which is a big win. I got room to stretch. What was the first thing that you did with the extra room that you have right now? Like, Because I assume that there is an extra room in your house or your apartment now that you did not have before. So, like, what did that room become? Uh, so, right. So, I'm in my office, like my, my oh, you know, now, like my desk now we've got an office, folks. And I'm looking Graduates at the uh, college gets an office. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the 55 inch flat screen that my future father in law uh, brought for myself and my fiance's gift. Um, and so, I'm feeling pretty good, Trevor. I'm not on a beach, baby, but it's okay. I'm having a good one as well. You know what? Anytime you can upgrade like that, whether it's a beach or not, we're doing good. Summer scouting series. Speaking of beach things, um, you know, tropical. Wow. Sun, uh, summer so. scouting series. We're on to the tight end position this week. Tight end position is a really interesting position. I think that throughout the week, we're not only going to talk about some of these guys that are coming up for next year's class, but we're going to reflect on what the NFL landscape is too, because it's you know, you'd be hard pressed to find a position that's changed in its nature and even changed the way the game plays like we're seeing with offenses and tight ends because as the NFL and NFL offenses have tried to get more spread out, try to become more mismatched in everything that they do, these super big athletic kind of freak players at the tight end position, whether you're playing them in line or as a big slot or as an H-back or whatever it is, have really started to change the game. And so we're going to be talking about that all throughout the week. We're going to go through some underclassmen here today. We're going to highlight those guys, uh, then get into some or, – or no, we're going upperclassmen first, right? Yes. We're going, yes, we're going upperclassmen first, and then we're going to get to some of the underclassmen later in the week. I think that, that that's what we did with wide receiver last week, which um, – actually, I'll say this when we get to – you know what? Never mind. Let's start with Jared Pinkney because I want to make this point. Jared Pinkney, he's the tight end from Vanderbilt, and I just wanted to make this point before we got into him. I was watching his tape, right? And they obviously were force feeding the ball to Kalijah Lipscomb. But it was funny because last week, as we were watching these wide receivers, I'm over here watching Kalijah Lipscomb and I'm like, yeah, he's okay. Like, I, you know, I don't really see too much there. Now that I've, I've like walked away from watching other really good, unbelievable elite wide receivers at right. the top. I'm watching Kalijah Lipscomb, and I'm like, oh, man, this kid can play. This is good. So <laughs> that's all just, like, goes back to how good I think this wide receiver class is. But anyways, Jared Pinkney, um, lot to like about him. Ben, what would you think about this guy? Yeah, I, uh, I've, uh, as I said uh, during the wide receiver pod on Thursday, where I officially announced that Tyler Wallace has the juice, I'm here to declare firmly the juice stamp has hit Jared Pinkney. I like what I see from Pinkney in a big way. Uh, I think he's yeah. I think he's the best senior tight end that we've got right now. And I know that for a lot of um, early, like 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 Mel Kiper, Tom McShay sorts who kind of like at this stage are mostly reporting what kind of the league is 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 feeling out for these guys. Uh, they also have Pinkney as as a, one of the top tight ends. That makes sense. I think that there was a chance he was going to come out in 2019, and so that you know the the, the league probably already has a good sense of him. 
But then also he's very likable. I think Pinky adjusts to the football outside of his frame really, really nicely. And that automatically makes you a seam threat, especially mm-hmm. when you're 6'4", 255. And we got some big ones. Like last year's tight end class was big. This year's tight end class is big. We got some big kids in this class. Pinky's a big guy. Um, and he adjusts really nicely to the football down the field, especially moving vertically. So that automatically makes you a seam threat. Yeah. But for a big guy, 255, he comes off the line with good burst, with good, I would say, vertical push. I'm not going to call him explosive. That's probably a little bit too much. But he comes that's up with – That's he, a good way to say it. I like that because yeah. I, was, I was trying to think of the words to come up with how he right. – with, I guess, like his nature of athleticism. What he's so willing to do vertically is – we talk about get on the defensive back's toes, right? Get on the linebacker's toes. When you're attacking off coverage with very frequent – like tight ends are very infrequently getting pressed at the line – because, you know, like you, that would be killing like an edge rusher's, you know, like path, right? You know, if you're a tight end coming offline, or if you're an H-back or whatever, or even if you're in the slot, you're just not seeing press coverage as often. And it really doesn't make sense if you're putting a safety over a guy like Pinkney to press him because the safety is going to lose 60 pounds on him, mm-hmm. right? And so like you're putting him at a disadvantage. So Pinkney gets off a lot, which makes sense for tight ends, but he's really good at attacking heels by getting on the toes of the defensive back. So when I talk about vertical quicker, push, quicker, quicker than you think for sure. Yeah. You know, this is yeah, a guy so, who's like two, two fifty five, two sixty or whatever. Right. That's you know? the thing is like, he gets up on you in a hurry and he's not, you know, sometimes you get tight ends who are a little bit thinner framed, like, you know, they're bigger and they're long. I'm thinking like a Zach Gentry. If you remember Michigan's film, Gentry did not want the smoke, right? Gentry wanted to get into his routes without any, any buzz, any hit, any contact. Pinkney comes and initiates contact. He gets up on you in a hurry, and he comes up to hit you within the five-yard contact window and, you know, outside of it. He wants to initiate contact to physically put himself where he wants to be. Like, ask Drew Tranquil, who's a good coverage backer, who got drafted to be a good coverage backer. Mm-hmm. Pinkney gave him problems. Alohi Gilman, good safety, Notre Dame. Pinkney gave him problems because Pinkney was willing to get physical with them, get up in them in a hurry, and impose a physical will. So as, like, a route runner, is he, you know, like, shifty and loose? No. But he gets to the spot and he gets a physical location on you and then he adjusts to the football really well. And right. so he's a, he's a bit of a post-up style of a player. But going down the seam with his size and with his at least like, you know, consummate acceptable athletic profile, it's a very clear and effective niche. Yeah. I was a little disappointed what I got from him as a blocker just at his size. I think he's, he's kind of one of the guys who just wants to hang on for the ride. He doesn't really want to hmm. pop. He doesn't really want to, you know, displace. good way to put it. Kind of good just, way to put it. Yeah, he's just screening. But I really like uh, clearly has like a seam vertical threat, and that's how Vandy uses him in their their very run heavy style of offense. Um, I really really liked what I saw from Pinkney. He excited me. There's a lot to there's a lot of mold there. I think if if nothing else, I think you did a good job of obviously highlighting the things that he does well with his body frame. About I said this, you know, six four, two twenty five. So he plays a much more. Um, God, what's the way to what's what's the proper way to say this now? Because like you would say it like three down back in the NFL. What are we saying? Just like all around tight end in the NFL, where you can truly go from an inline guy or play from the slot, like standing combo up tight end, point, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So he's 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 very much the mold of a combo tight end, which you know we'll we'll get to this point when we start talking about some of these other tight ends because this is something that I was thinking about as uh, as I continue to watch tape. I don't want to give away. I don't want to give it away too much because it doesn't exactly have to do with Pinkney, but it does some of these other guys when it comes to specialization of a skill versus being a combo tight end, something like that. But there's a lot to like here, and you talked about the NFL being interested in him. You know, I was watching an interview of Pinkney's, and he said that he was getting when he was when he was feeling out whether he could whether he wanted to declare last year or not. He was feeling out what the NFL was thinking of him, and I think he said high end they were talking about second round. 
you know, low end, they were talking about fourth round for him. So he was somewhere between that second to fourth round range, which makes sense given the skills that he had, the production that he had. And moreover, that you're looking at his body frame and, and what you could possibly get out of him in the NFL, how much further his game could go. But there is, you know, there's, there's some flashes here with this guy who, he makes these little moves or, um, you know, that Notre Dame game where he had that acrobatic like 360 catch almost. And you go, wow, that's a big dude having that much control in the air. And so I think I would agree with you that he wasn't as much of a, a blocker as I thought that he was going to be. I also don't know because Vandy has the other tight end that's on their team that I thought did a lot more of their primary. Is that the, the long hair dude? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he looks like an he looks like a blocker, doesn't he? So he they have him and it makes me think that okay, even though you brought up Vandy's style and how they like to play, you know, kind of pounding the ball, helping out with tight ends being a compliment there, whether it is in the rec- short receiving game or in the blocking game, it just seemed like that other guy was their primary blocker. So I'm not sure how much of that they're even looking from Pinkney to get. So a little bit of a projection there when you really we forget that, you know, making projections for tight ends and their skills isn't just at the receiver level. You know, it's not just like, oh, baseline, they're big, they're a blocker. Okay, great. Sometimes it is the other way around. And I do think that's the case here with Pinckney is that he wants to be a bigger receiver. He likes that role. The blocking is just something I think he needs to be a little bit more aggressive or engaged with is something that I would say. Get your head's involved. Like, he likes, to, he likes to hang. So he's leaning on you, right? He's like a bowler. Yeah, he's yeah. leaning on you, riding with you. Yeah. Drop your hips and fire out, which like you would expect from what he's been coached at Vanderbilt, that that'd be something you would have in his, his arsenal. Yeah, mess somebody up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Mitchell Wilcox, the next guy that we are watching, he is he plays at USF, um, about six foot five, 240, 245. Yeah, I give him the 245. He's a little bit bigger than some of these other guys that I watch who deal is kind of around the 240. So I'll give him the 245 number. Been kind of a producer at. at USF for three years now. Um, I think he redshirted his freshman year, but then after that, you know, that freshman year was that redshirt freshman year. Sorry. So after the year that he redshirted, he had 23 yards per catch. I'm looking at it now. That's pretty crazy. I mean, only 12 receptions, but you know, they were truly using this guy as a, as a seam buster, as a second tight end that the defense was losing sight of. And that kind of intros you into his skills a little bit. He's a big slot guy. That's what I think of when I, when I look at him because they play him in the slot, they play him a little bit in that H-back role. They don't ask him to do a ton of blocking on inline. They're playing him on the outside edges uh, as well, like sometimes near the sideline in stacked formations. They want this guy to be a receiver, and I think he moves pretty dang well, but even better than how he moves because I think there are a couple of tight ends that we're going to get to throughout this week that even move a little bit better. I don't know better. I guess more fluid, I would say, sure, than Mitchell sure, Wilcox yeah. is he can catch. Like there are multiple uh, plays that I saw of him throughout his game tape, even just some highlight films where he's going full sprawl out for these catches. And that tells me that, again, you have some really good body control. You've got great concentration. Some of these are body catches as well, which means he's got great timing with. I know we talk about, hey, you'd rather the hands go out and you'd rather the ball not come into your body. But sometimes that's just the way that it is. And when you show a consistency, right. reel the ball in, that means that you've got great timing and a great feel for when the ball's arriving anyway. So This is a great point. The ability to skillfully body catch is very, yeah. very important, especially when you're going to be a middle-of-the-field receiver who needs yes. to go down for balls that are at like your, your waist or below. Like If you can corral diving body catches or if you can absorb body catches while you're getting hit, 
it's a hugely important skill, knowing when to do it and how to do it well. Wilcox, great at that, fantastic hands. So you know it's not like he's protecting himself. He's got concentration drops, I think, because he looks to turn a little bit too early at times. But the thing is, the dude just does not care if he gets hit at all. And I love it. That's mm-hmm. the thing is, he's making these, you know, third down, fourth down, fourth and five, third and four, fourth and two, third and eight. All these quick slants and these quick ends, these quick curls, just knowing he's going to get lit up. Yeah. Defense knows it's going to him. Quarterback knows it's going to him. He knows it's going to him. He knows he's about to get his cleats knocked off. And he just does. He'll launch himself into contact. That's where the ball is going. He's totally fearless over the middle of the field. And he catches so well through contact. He's got mitts. Uh, and so the concentration drops are frustrating, but I really agree with your point there, especially about the body catches. He he knows what he's doing when he's addressing the football. No, he's a tough dude, and, and I'd agree with that when I was watching his film. You, you, you have to be, though, right? When you're a tight end in today's NFL, whether you are considered to be that kind of big slot role or whether you are still more as an inline guy, the seam is where you make your money. That's you You have to be on the team to attack the seam. You've got to be able to frustrate the linebackers dropping back. You've got to be able to confuse the safeties and keep them honest with where they sit in the middle of the field. You've truly got to be a threat at all times. And if they know that you've either got a case of the drops or you're scared of contact or you're just not that comfortable making catches over the shoulder or turning or whatever it is, even if you have the athleticism, you're not going to be as much of a threat as you need to be. And mm-hmm. so I think that that toughness point towards Mitchell Wilcox holds some some value because he is a guy who, if the ball touches his hands, he's he's probably coming up with it. And he's got, you know, he's got that beard to like mohawk haircut combo that just makes you think, all right, this guy's a tough son of a gun. So wow. he's got the Hair whole – here, baby. Listen, he's got the whole uh, tight end package working there. So um, those are the first two guys that we looked at. Ben, did I forget? Did, did you have any other notes on those two guys? Yeah, so Wilcox, um, the, 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 the rise of Wilcox was really cool. Um, last year, he really started to get a lot more attention for what he was doing with South Florida. And the story behind that is actually kind of cool because when they were – do you remember that, that incredible – I think it's called the I-4 game or whatever, that game against UCF uh, in 20 20- – you think it's yeah. called the brother? This is called the War on I four. It's it the most fierce Florida rivalry there is. Okay, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but it, it's been fun for the last couple of years. So right. Um, if you remember, there was a huge South Florida fumble in that game, and that was Wilcox, right? Mm-hmm. So Wilcox had the fumble that basically ends up ending the game because of mm-hmm. either an overtime, they're trying to tie it or whatever. Huge fumble for him. Kind of like, you know, that's the last play of the season Really, he has to sit with that. And apparently that was like a big play for him to be like, you know, like I want to be, I need to be better. Like I want to like have a really good spring and I want to like have a really good off season. So he kind of galvanized that, became a much bigger part of the South Florida offense there in, in, the, in the subsequent season. 43 catches this year. Starts to get on NFL radars as a junior. I wrote him up. So we have a scouting report up on him up on the site right now for the 2019 class. Mm-hmm. And Right when I like finished writing him up, I'm like, you know what? I think this guy's good. Like, I really want to plant my flag. Friend of the show, Dane Brugler, comes out with like, hey, by the way, I think Mitchell Wilcox is the top 75 player. And I was like, Dane, if you could have waited like three hours, I would have had the article up. I would have posted. I would have been the new name. I was so – I just like looked at the tweet, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, Dane, I was about to be able to like call first on this dude, and he got me on him. He sniped me, but – 
Wilcox, there was the chance he was going to come out last year or whatever. He decides to go back very much the same way as Pinkney. That was a really good tight end class last year. And so a lot of these juniors, Albert Okawebenom, the guy we're going to talk about later, also a guy who decided to come back to school. So we have a few of those names. Now coming into the uh, coming into this senior season for Wilcox, everybody knows he's the primary target. He's pretty much the whole passing offense. You saw they go to him on third or fourth down all the time. Um, he has that strong catch in the middle of the field ability. Now, the downside of that is, number one, I don't see a ton of yak opportunities for him because he's so frequently catching through contact and while he's getting hit. I'd love to see what he looks like as a yak guy because I agree. I think he is snappy and sharp in his breaks, but I'm not sure that he's more athletic than some of the other guys that you and I have already watched that we're talking about on later podcasts. And so I really love like He's got, I think, loose hips. I'd love to see him with the ball in his hands more. I just really didn't get a lot of those reps. And in the same way, uh, you know, the seam stuff, he also doesn't do as much. They really just they use him on a lot of this quick hitting, short breaking stuff. I don't think he's incapable of the other things. I just don't think that's their deployment for him because of their limitations of quarterback and their style of offense. So I'd love to see what he looks like on a jump ball. At times, he reminds me of the issues we have with Dax Raymond tape at Utah State. Like Raymond just ran so much short stuff, quick leverage stuff. He was H-back slot almost exclusively. Wilcox a little bit taller, a little bit lighter. But it's that usage where I just, like, I want to know, like, what's Raymond look like more than 10 yards down the field? Like, I just don't really know. You know what I mean? And so I, I'd love to see uh, more cuts there. And then as a blocker, Wilcox is a stock blocker. He'll block in space as, as a guy in line. I mean, he's got some good power and he's got some, you know, some want to and some fight, but he's just thin in the hips. He's a wide receiver build, you know, like he's, For he's sure. two, he's 240 low with most of his mass in the upper half. And so not most, but like more than the average build. And so, you know, there's just not going to be a lot for him as a blocker. He's going to be a, a, a flex type for sure. He's not really the combo that I think Jared Pinkney could possibly be, but there's, there's like that middle of the field, you know, consistency in those short areas is really, really valuable. I don't know, as a tight end one, you need to be able to do more explosive plays, but that, you, that'll get you on an NFL roster and you'll stick and you'll get targets on, on late downs because that matters, man. That really matters. Well, this is something that I'm glad that you kind of ended it right there because it gives us a segue into tomorrow's episode, which we're going to oh. talk about two guys who are a little bit niche in what they do as, as upperclassmen tight end in this class. And we're also going to, as I alluded to earlier in this podcast, Talk a little bit about the roles in the NFL and how much you really need to be, if you really need to be at all, a combo tight end over a guy who could really dominate in a niche position. So that's tomorrow. Got plenty more tight ends coming throughout the week. We're going to finish out upperclassmen, I think, tomorrow. But we'll probably sprinkle some in on that Thursday episode as well before we get into our top fives and then Fan Friday. But I'm excited about tomorrow's tight end discussion because I'm going to make Ben bring up the fact that he said that George Kittle was the unquestioned best tight end in the NFL a couple of weeks ago. So we're going to circle Kate around to that. Good takes. All right. There. <laughs> Until then, you keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.